Okay, thanks. Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Xavier, uh, for asking me to come here. Uh, Xavier was very kind. He gave me a big tour of Fiesole. Uh, shamingly, I was born not too far from here, but I've never been here. <laughs> and I was briefed uh, excellently by Xavier in this very beautiful place. And I'm very happy, of course, not just being here, um, but also because I get the chance. And I'll take only a few couple of minutes of your time because um, I hope there will be, and I'm sure there will be uh, many questions, uh, to discuss a little bit the, the, the book that, that, uh, that Peter just presented. And, and I just have three main remarks. Uh, the first one is this, the relevance of the EU climate policy. I think there's, and I think indeed the book was written with Paris in mind, uh, and the reason being that, that there's more and more recognition of climate change, uh, I think, uh, around the world, especially in Europe, um, maybe, but also increasingly, I would say, also in the US and also other major countries. And we see this also in the great participation of INDC so far, which to me, which in some cases actually surprised me. Yeah. I expected much less. Of course, this doesn't add up to what we should be doing in the first place if you really want to to stabilize the climate, and there are issues about monitoring verification. Peter mentioned a lot of those. But still, it's quite remarkable, I think, that we got where we are. Um, now, of course, Europe is Europe, and there's also issues about free riding, right? Europe contributes to about 10% of global emissions. It was 20% in 1990. Uh, this relative contribution has gone down. One reason is bad, the other countries' have, emissions have grown. And one reason is good, European emissions have actually fallen. Um, but still, the contribution is not particularly large at the global level. So what can do Europe do by itself when China per capita emissions are close to those of Europe? And yet, of course, given the sheer size of Asia, uh, those emissions are much higher. What about leakage, competitiveness, and so forth? Uh, and the usual also classical criticism and concern about, well, what do we really need to stabilize and provide incentives to get these international environmental agreements to be stable and effective. We see a very bottom-up approach going on the way to Paris, but of course we know from theory, but also from applied policy, that we need more than that, and we need certainly cooperation at, at large scale if you want to get emission reduction sufficiently deep. And I think these, these general concerns which once year about, and maybe you heard also when you went to Oxford and your colleagues were trying to question policies, I think the book offers a lot of good reasons for saying that these, obviously these concerns are there, but yet European climate policy is still a good, very good step forward. And I think the reasons are the following. The first is leadership. I mean, leadership is often, not very often discussed uh, in economics, uh, because what does leadership really mean? Uh, but I think there's a lot of value in leadership, and I think there's a learning process uh, that comes with leadership, meaning we take a lead, we are recognized for our leadership, uh, and there's institutional learning. And of course, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time to build this institution, incredibly long, longer than one might think. And, and this institutional learning process, which I think you were alluding to a lot in, in your presentation, which has gone on for now many years in Europe, I think has huge repercussions for other countries who are trying to do that now. And there are many countries which are trying to do that now, and very big countries indeed, and many of those in a developing world. One should not underestimate the impact of this learning and the impacts of leadership in general, I would say. And more, more generally, I think the repercussion for international climate policies are important. It's not just about leakage, about firms relocating. There's also positive spillovers, and not necessarily only negative spillovers. 
uh, in terms of technological change, uh, in terms of uh, uh, innovation market failure, which relate to knowledge creation and knowledge sharing, and not just uh, <clears throat> just the, the, the environment. I think the book makes an excellent point in showing to what extent European climate policy matters, not just for Europe, uh, but also for the world. And I guess that was indeed the aim if you were thinking of uh, rolling it out just before Paris. Uh, so that's the first, my first thinking about uh, reading it. The second is a moral lesson for the economics profession or the academic profession related to economic policy in general. There's an obsession in economics about first best. And, uh, uh, and of course, first best is carbon tax. Uh, and, and this carbon tax has been discussed a lot. I was in the US, I spent one year in the US. Last year, just came back. And I was surprised by how strongly, at least in academic circles, coming, carbon taxation is coming back. Uh, but of course, we don't live in a first best world. Um, and the fact that multiple policy instruments or instruments which are not necessarily first best lead to inefficiency uh, does apply to a first, first best world. It does not apply to a second best world, uh, which is full of inefficiency to begin with. Uh, and I think the obsession of the academic profession to focus on a single objective, optimization on a single dimension, uh, has lost track and is not so relevant in, for policy when it comes to policy. And I think here the book makes an excellent point. There are, first to, first to begin with, political economy reasons why you cannot just do a carbon tax. You need unanimity, and you never have unanimity, as simple as that. That's the most basic thing, uh, and you don't need a model or political economy model to do that. But still, political economy facts are so important and so often poorly represented in the standard economic uh, textbook economic, uh, uh, economics. And then there are reality and also some economic rational, I would say. So it's just that of this, what you call in the book, the jigsaw of policy approaches. You mentioned the 2020-20. You mentioned this as a transition towards now a 2030 objective that is much more centered around emissions and is giving less focus maybe on renewables. We don't know exactly about efficiency. It might come back, and that's an important one, I believe. And I think there are economic rationals also for thinking about economic energy efficiency, to give you one example, and the importance of regulating an economic energy efficiency, or the transportation sector, uh, where you would get or achieve very little by means of the carbon taxation alone. Now, the other point, of course, which is very dear to, to since I do very similar work, is the relevance of rigorous methods and impact assessments and models used to do impact assessments. On this, we might need a little bit more transparency in how these models are built and used. But with that, with that caveat said, I think they are ter ter incredibly useful. And the Commission has been doing an excellent job at putting out their impact assessment every time they legislate or they propose a policy. So that's, that's, and then, so that's, that's my second uh, takeaway. And then my, my third takeaway, since we are at the European, uh, since we are in a university institute, is the quality of European management and the praise for the book. Uh, <clears throat> the book has been co-authored by 10, by ten yeah. uh, officials, and all of those have, have really a great track record in terms of uh, postgraduate studies, higher education, many PhDs among them. Um, and a strong link to universities. I mean, Peter just came back from, from a sabbatical at, uh, at a prestigious university. I think that speaks to our profession here, maybe as teachers uh, or, or as students, and the importance uh, of, of training. And not all PhD students want to be academics. And I would say this is, this is great, actually, uh, because more and more students are motivating to doing policy works which matters for global challenges, and climate change is an example. 
And I think we, uh, in the, as teachers in a way, we need to think more about training in public economics and public policies. And of course, this is an excellent place to think about it since you are doing it a lot. And with that, I'll stop.